This is Health Matters with Sipla. Welcome back to Health Matters. My name is Ryan O'Connor and this is probably brought to you by Sipla, the Absa Cape Epic. Oh, I think about it and I my stomach turns. Eight-day stage race, the most televised mountain bike race in the world. Never mind it being televised, it is grueling. Uh, the race must be completed by both members of a two-person team with only 680 teams allowed to ride each, uh, ride each year. Every event follows a different route, leading aspiring amateur and professional mountain bikers from around the world through roughly 700 untamed kilometers of unspoiled scenery. And of course, we talk about climbs, 17,000 meters of vertical ascent. This year's event is coming up soon on the 20th of March. Uh, on Health Matters this week, fortunate enough to be speaking both to Candice Lill, who's competed four previous Cape Epic races, uh, as well as Matt Beers, who's five events under his belt, including winning the 2021 edition, uh, along with his partner. Welcome to the both of you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Both accomplished and seasoned bikers. Uh, I, I want to start with cycling in the first place. And Candice, let me start with you. How, how did you get into cycling? Where did it all begin for you? Cycling has always just been a part of my life, even from a very young age. Yeah. Um, I grew up on a farm in KZN. And what goes hand in hand on the farm, kids riding bikes. Um, so there I learned to do a lot of the stuff that um, that you need to learn when you're young, um, you know, just for fun though, like sliding into the gate, the farm gate, or <laughs> like anything on the farm, which yeah was just fun. Yeah. Um, and I've always done it throughout school as well, even though I did a lot of other school sports. Um, cycling was always something I did as well. Um, so I can't actually think of a time where I haven't cycled. Matt, your story involves an injured foot from an accident. Yeah, I mean, my what storyline through cycling is a little bit different to most people. I raced motocross. That was my first like love as such. Um, that's what I wanted to do. It's what I wanted to be pro at. And um, yeah, raced nationally. And then I went to the US and raced there for until I was... Jeez, I don't even know, 18, 19 years old. And then, yeah, I had a pretty bad foot injury and along with many other injuries. Mm. Um, and I actually kind of got over it because <laughs> it's kind of every year you break something. So you're just waiting for the next thing to break. And then, yeah, I, I use cycling as uh, rehabilitation actually for, for my foot injury. And... Yeah, the guys there at the facility I was at in the US were like, yeah, you should try cycling. And I was like, there's no way. So I'm wearing Lycra and doing this as a sport. And then, yeah, look at me now. So things can change. Yeah, yeah the Lycra stuck around and uh, look at you now, yeah. all these Lycra years later. People don't realize, I mean, you're, you're very close to it. So training's become a way of life for you, but the kind of preparation. And uh, when we look at this year's race, uh, which by the way, as we mentioned, starts soon. How, when do you, does preparation begin for a grueling endurance event like this? Uh, I guess it's different to any other event on the calendar uh, in terms of physical and mental prep that's needed going into this. Candice, let's start. When do you put the bike like, and I don't say down because I know that you, you're actively on the bike uh, competing the 365 days, uh, but this is a different type of training. When, when, when does the prep for, for this specific event start start for you? Well, this is actually an interesting one because we raced the Cape Epic last in October. Yes. Normally, it's a full year yes. from when you raced it last. Um, and the October season, well, the, having Cape Epic in October, 
and made it a very long season last year. And you still need to get some rest in yeah. before, yeah, before you start training again. So for me, I really started focusing early December. Um, I took November off and started focusing December. Um, and I've had a really good three month build up to get that back. Matt, how uh, how and when? Uh, obviously, you pretty much the same because October was just the other day, as Candice pointed out. Yeah, it's pretty much the same same story. We actually have the same coach, so I'm pretty sure we like. <laughs> um, yeah, we get given the same pain and um, less time. So no, it's good. I mean, it's a like I'm sure Candice, it's like a lifestyle to us. So it doesn't even really. Mm. It's just the way of life, and I. I think we both really enjoy it. And um, I think you have to really enjoy the process more than almost the racing in order to race well. So, yeah, I love it. And um, now you just want to start. Yeah. Yeah. This must be the, the, this is, must be the most frustrating because you've got like a week and a bit to go and you like, want to, let's go. Let's like, let it start like rather this weekend than next weekend so we can just get on with it already. I want to talk about nutrition because nutrition plays a very important role in, um, in the event itself, in your lives, in your training, in every aspect of what it is you do and finding the right nutrition. And I think for anyone listening to this podcast, and I would gather they would be in the same position as I am uh, as a very much a weekend warrior, take the bike out. And when it comes to big events, I know that we've got, uh, cycle two on the cards uh, and then there's maybe one or two others that we get involved with uh, by and large cyclists have a bit of a ro- routine when it comes to how they prepare their nutrition closer towards an event whether that be uh, m- meals themselves or supplements themselves and you can tell who the cyclists or any at any kind of endurance event that haven't uh, used supplements before or are trying something different there's these horrific cues for toilets on race day and I'm specifically <laughs> thinking around Cape Town Cycle Tour and I say it's horrific because after being through so many of them the, there's a certain kind of stench in the air of people whose constitutions haven't quite got to grips with the supplementation that they're on <laughs> and it's kind of a, like a rude awakening for many because they've gone the whole time without trying something race day for some stupid reason they think by taking something that's going to help them along the way only to discover that boy oh boy they were horribly wrong um let's talk nutrition let's talk about what you guys are using what you guys use how important a part it plays uh in your daily lifestyles matt i think let's let's start with you yeah i mean nutrition is a is a huge part of the game it's quite a difficult thing because you really have to find what product works for your gut and your just the way you respond to it. And then that also comes tricky because you have brands that obviously want to sponsor you, but maybe they're not the right for you yes. in our situation. So you really have to be careful on who you choose and what you choose. I use Sponsor Nutrition, which is a Swiss brand. I mean, we go through a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing like you're explaining is training your gut Sure. is a huge aspect to, I mean, this has only come kind of recently, even for us elite athletes. We also kind of like would not train with anything because we're going to get fat and, you know, all this usual nonsense. And then, um, and then, yeah, a lot of science came out and you like, you have to, you obviously have to train with the strategy that you're going to use to race. So, yeah. I mean, for Candice and myself, we're trying to hit like between 60 and 90 grams of carbs per hour. That's through drink mix, bars, and gels. So you pretty much need to be like replicating that nutrition strategy at least a month prior to your race. Otherwise, 
your body's not going to be able to absorb all those sugars and everything. And Candice, how yeah. do you how do you you also uh, obviously initially it's it's that like Matt mentioned that that kind of a finding the balance to what works and what doesn't work for you, and then making sure that that's a partner that you have with you uh, that kind of understands what what your requirements are, and then is able to obviously deliver. Yeah, totally. I think speaking of all this, the number one rule is like don't try anything new on race day, right? Yes. Like what you were saying, um, whatever you're going to do on race day, you should have practiced many times in training already. Yeah. Um, and as Matt said, it's kind of like a recent thing that, you know, to get this 60 to 90 grams of carbs, that's like an ideal point per hour that your body can absorb. And if you can train yourself to do that, you will not have any, any like energy dips or things like that throughout your racing. Easier said than done, of course. <laughs> but yeah, like for something like the Cape Epic, I mean, it's an eight day race where you are just burning through a lot of energy and a lot of calories every day. and yeah, if you don't get your nutrition right from day one, by day five, six, seven, you can't make it up. Yeah. Um, so you will just <laughs> kind of start fading. Um, so it's, I want to say oh, it's so important, yeah. especially in a stage race like that. We personally have yeah, like a, a really good nutrition plan. Um, we work with a nutritionist. Um, she's actually a good friend of mine, and she comes and cooks for us as well in the Epic. So we plan it all out. And things like, I mean, as soon as you finish the stage, to be able to get in proper protein and carbs like straight away. Yeah. And it can be difficult because, you know, then it's you're finishing and it's interviews and it's going to podium and things like that. And can easily just you can forget about it or if you're not purposeful about it. Um, but getting proper protein and carbs in after a stage like that will help you in days to come to maintain your power and everything. And then obviously it goes, and to your point, Candice, uh, hand in hand, it changes from training to, to actual events. Your, your focus on, on what you're taking in and your supplements, obviously, uh, a change because it's not, not no longer it's a form of, the, of, of, of a daily routine training cycle, but now uh, when it gets to race day and, and being something like the Epic, you, your whole strategy kind of changes because, you're, as you said, you're burning up so many calories uh, that you need to constantly yeah. you know, fuel and be refueled throughout the course and then recover. Uh, and then it, it comes back again to training. And training and modern training has changed such a lot. Our understanding of training and training methods has developed tremendously over the last just decade alone. Recovery, rest, nutrition, sleep, trying to shut the body down at night to make sure you get enough uh, quality rest. And especially now with like a week or so to go in your mind, already take you're already on the route you're going through sections of the route that you know that you've been on where you're going to be how you're going to feel uh you know these are, are are racing around with technical training methods in your head over and over again uh, what is your approach to modern day training Candice I'll start with you uh, how has your training regime changed from say what it was five six seven years ago <laughs> wow it's actually an interesting question. If I think five, six, seven years ago, I will say to myself, Candice, what on earth were you doing? Um, I think five, six, seven years ago, what was I? I was early 20s. And yeah, I mean, I was just, there was no proper plan. Um, I kind of just like went as I felt. Um, I often, often overdid it. And yeah, I just ended up not really getting anywhere. Um, yeah. So I think that's, yeah, following a specific plan, being really smart about quality training, mm. um, and not just like riding endless, endlessly because you can, and yeah, then getting in stuff like 
strength work and gym work that's not like directly related to the bike, but helps so much. Mm. So there's a few things. And I think yeah, the main thing is is really to be to be smart and efficient about your training. Um, because you actually don't want to have a huge fatigue load. No. Um, if you can get by with the least amount of fatigue possible with the same result, that's mm. better. So I would say that's something I've definitely learned as I've matured. I want to ask you both, this is quite interesting because you both write for brands that I absolutely adore. Uh, Candice, you're on a Cannondale. Matt, you're on a Specialized. And both of these companies have come on leaps and bounds in terms of technology and technological advancements over the year. Uh, and that's those tools have become obviously in a major part of why it is that we're seeing great times being achieved and great uh, achievements and records being broken. Uh, and now we've got added to that tools like biomarkers, power meters, technical training techniques, etc. Um, how has the world changed at that top level with these tools now available? Has it has it made your life a bit easier, I should rather say, or has it been a bit more stressful in terms of, you know, keeping up with what's on trend and what's available at your disposal at the moment? Matt? Yeah, I mean, the bikes and everything has progressed. I wouldn't say like a huge amount from when I started, but it, obviously there's a lot that has played a major role in making us go a lot faster. And the power meters, you know, obviously power meters, um, the head units, you you get an awful lot of data nowadays. And sometimes, yeah, like you're saying, it it's a great tool, but then sometimes you just want to ride your bike and not have to see all these things and numbers and, you know, just switch off. But it does take a huge amount of guesswork out of it. And the bikes are becoming... I like to personally keep up with a lot of the, mm. all the new little things that are happening in the industry and like, you know, from like tire inserts to like all these fancy tire widths and rolling resistance. And yeah, it's, I, I enjoy it and I dig the progression and like Candace and I, we're part of two great brands and we get to really ride some pretty awesome stuff. And we're pretty lucky, I think. Absolutely. Well, the one brand that you both have in common and must be the reason why you so do so well on the uphills and downhills is our friend uh, Seth Hulley at Oakley that makes sure that uh, both of you uh, with those Oakley Katos and whatever it is that you're riding at the moment make you go super quick downhill and protect the, protect the eyes on the uphill as well. So uh, there's one thing that you both have in common. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you. so at the moment, European riders seem to have a lot more success overall. And people say, well, location, location, location. The infrastructure in Europe allowing riders to start young, race young, offering a support network where they can take uh, the risk to try and become professional. Is that in place in South Africa? I mean, and, and, and in all honesty, are, are we still working on that? Uh, because there seems to be a big drive to get a lot more people on mountain bikes, a lot more people active, a lot more kids through the system at a young age. Are we there yet? Yeah. Okay. So I will speak from the the woman's perspective, um, and I would say a big no. We have made good progress in the last years um, with races having equal prize money and there being yes. really good media coverage um, for men and women, um, and just equal opportunities in that way. Um, but we need a bigger base. You know, there's not enough young women coming into mountain biking um, through schools um, when kids are 11, 12, 13 going up. And it seems like we're losing quite a lot of kids. You know, I see at some of these races and stuff, there's a lot of kids that are under 12, but as soon as they get to 15, 16, 17, then 
things, other things start maybe becoming more interesting and they, um, you know, they realize that there's a social life and all these other things. So there needs to be opportunity um, at that point where there's an opportunity for kids to be able to say, okay, I really want to race. How do I pursue it? Or, you know, I mean, I guess financial stuff always comes into play as yeah. well. Like maybe kids leave school and now all of a sudden their mom and dad don't pay for things anymore. So now they've got to find an own, their own way and it's really expensive. So there's just this missing opportunity between the age probably of 15 and early 20s where we're losing a lot of women specifically. And also, I mean, there's, there is a different culture in South Africa and it still is a country that, and we can see, say that, yes, yeah, sure, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very general statement to say we're still rugby and soccer and cricket, but we are. I mean, we are. It takes a cyclist to go overseas and become a world champion before somebody goes, oh, you know what, hey, guys, we also cycle. We've got a top cyclist from South Africa. You know, that Greg Minow, what a legend, a goat. He's a goat. And it's like, yeah, but you weren't. We've got so many other great legends in South Africa that we need to be putting on on the in, on the same pedestal and and giving the same media coverage to Candice, To your point, um, that's happening in Europe. I mean, in Europe, uh, they know who their local legends are. They know who their local heroes are. They know who the next person uh, that's going to grab a, a a a jersey or a team position in a top European team are uh, because they're they're being looked after from from that very young age. And by being looked after, it's not only financial but it's also to the degree where uh, the, the media are heavily involved in promoting the sport. Uh, and, and I still find that that's, that's desperately needed. Not around the, the big events, we get it. Media coverage is great around the big events, but we've got quite a few other cool events in the country too that almost get lost, um, you know, almost fall by the wayside. Matt, what, what, do, what do you think? Yeah, the, it's, it's a very interesting topic because... Cycling is huge in South Africa. I think yeah. it's actually, it's it's really weird because you don't really see the direct like overflow into anything else. Like there's a ton of people on bikes, but then like sponsorships are quite scarce. So I think for us, it's trying to figure out how do we translate the popularity of cycling into backing the cyclists, um, the professionals. I think that's something we need to try and figure out how do we bridge that gap. Um, it's not easy, but I think it's it's getting there. I mean, since obviously COVID, everyone's hit this thing of you know fitness and priority. I think we, Candice and I, live in a similar area, and we can see on the weekend how many cyclists there are. It is absolutely mental. It's awesome, maybe for the people driving, they don't enjoy it, but <laughs> in hindsight, um, it is it is amazing to see, and also the younger kids coming on board and like Candace was saying, I think providing them, I think the biggest thing is we losing the kids, like Candace said, between, you know, the junior ranks. Um, because obviously I think a big thing is to get overseas and just experience at that level. Yeah. I think that's super important. And then I think that bug will bite if they can experience that and get that like, wow, I got selected for my country kind of thing. But Yes, you do get selected, but then you have to self-fund, which is just like, it's kind of counterintuitive. Like you you would think like, oh, I get selected, cool. You know, S is going to, and then they're like, okay, well, this is what's going to cost. And you're yeah. like, well, okay, yeah. well, that's a bit hectic. Yeah. Um, so I think if we could, yeah, somehow get that to a healthy place again, I think it'll make the kids just 
if they can open their eyes and see their idols, you know, at these races, and yes. they'll be like, man, I'm, I want to, I want to get there, and it'll just yeah. like, I think, push them that little bit more to maybe stay in the sport. I don't know. That's yeah. uh, that's how I would feel at that age, yes. personally, for motivation. But well, yeah, listen, something we need to try and get going. Hats off to both of you because I think that you're both massive role models and you both take time out of both of your schedules. When it, when you allow, when people come and see you at start lines or finish lines, you're, you're really approachable. And I think that that's, that's very important. We haven't lost that. Uh, and that's a major uh, give back that both of you give to the sport. Uh, so just a huge thanks for being such massive role models. I want to talk about your, your, your cycling with your partner. Now, we know that the Epic's a partner ride. Tell us about that relationship that you need to have with a riding. and Maybe let's start with finding the right partner. Is it a matter of, oh, well, I can just cycle with anybody or, or is there a real fine balance in finding the right fit for your race when it comes to something like the Cape Epic? Candice? Sure. It's really difficult to find the right partner. And even when once you have found the right partner, it's never going to be perfect. Um, I suppose it's like like any relationship. It's, it's, it's actually almost, yeah, it's like a relationship or like, a marriage or something because you have to really always always look after the other person mm. you know once you found someone that you think okay i can work with this person then yeah from that point onwards you really need to be looking out for each other all the time like a really good partnership will be in tune with what how the other person's feeling even though like you haven't communicated it and um, so to get to that level is really cool i mean it feels really good to work with someone like that but yeah, I think the main thing is, yeah, it's, it's never going to be perfect, but it takes a lot of work to make it work. Matt, tell us about your relationship and finding the right partner. It's a bit interesting because I've kind of, well, obviously last year, you just kind of told who you're racing with. So there's not really, that aspect actually goes completely out the window. Mm -hmm. They You pair based off of, like predicted strength as such. But I've also had on the other side of the, I've raced with my best friend, Alan, when in 2019. And that was an, that was awesome. I think like Candace says, at the end of the day, you just got to look out for each other. You got to just, there has to be a definite, just a bond of, of some sort. Like there's going to be a lot of stress. There's going to be a lot of, if you're going to bite each other's heads off, then it's, it's going to get nasty. So <laughs> Keeping yeah. calm, yeah, just respecting one another is is a huge one. It's just that that neutral respect from different cultures, different countries. I think that's a big thing. It's just respecting each other and how. And if you have a bad day, respect that and vice versa. Hmm. I just want to add something here because it sounds really obvious, like what we're saying. But I mean, where we race, um, the woman we often in and around like the vet and master men. And you can just see like how people do not get this right. You know, you can see these people losing it at each other or the ones gone way ahead and just the other ones like in pain. And you can obviously see that this person hasn't thought it through that if you're feeling stronger, you need to actually ride behind your partner on the climb and not ahead and be going ahead and hurting them. So it's little things in every moment that you can do to really get the best out of the partner. And a lot of people don't get it right. 
That's brilliant. That's a, bit, a great bit of advice. Uh, if you haven't found that uh, the perfect uh, dance yet with your partner, um, it's too late now to pull out because you've just got a couple of days left to go. Um, in the interim, Candice, I know you're going to be cycling Cape Town Cycle Tour. Matt, are you doing it uh, in the lead up to, to Epic? No, I won't, I won't be racing. I'm doing the cross country in Paul on, on the Saturday. Yes, yeah. I see yeah. all your whole teams down. You've got uh, got everyone in town at the moment. Wow, uh, there's uh, there's no specialized on the road anywhere. You can't even rent one because uh, everyone's down from uh, from your team to be here this weekend. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. They're coming nice and early. Yeah, and we can. Um, I've never met Chris before. Yes. either Levin's my epic partner. Yeah. So it'll be cool to at least get to know him and um, do some rides together and just create a bit of a bond before we go into battle. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the word health, it means a lot to a lot, a lot of different people. And we've, uh, you know, we're, the pandemic's not over in, in no way. You know, it's, we've had other distractions, but we still pretty much have uh, that horrible word, uh, COVID, still, still hanging around. Health in 2022, has it changed over the years, the word health or the meaning of the word health for you from before you were a professional athlete maybe till today? Matt, I'll start with you. Hasn't really changed for me. I mean, I don't do anything different as such. It's just if we want to do things now, we have to get a stick shoved up our nose. But um, <laughs> like, no, but I mean, we actually are like, I mean, general hygiene, I think, has become a huge part in all our lives. And you realize how vulnerable we are as as humans. Like we think we're so strong and and badass, but then this little thing that you can't even see can really, really devastate our lives, our families' lives. So I think it's just being very respecting each other and, you know, just looking out for everyone and not being selfish and just making sure you are responsible with your hygiene and everything. I think that's what I've definitely taken out of it. Mm. Candice? For me, maybe a bit un-COVID related and I, and I guess in women's cycling in general at the moment. There's a big shift towards, um, well, there's a few topics. I guess mm. one of them is the mental health yes. um, and people speaking out about their struggles yes. of racing at the top end. And, you know, even someone like Evie Richards last year who won the last few World Cups and also the World Championships, mm. um, she's spoken out about how, like, the last few months she's really struggled to come to terms with that whole experience and yes. what it was for her and the downs she faced after that. So I think, yeah, to speak about those things, I personally have experienced some mental issues along the way as well, not completely debilitating, but to a point where, you know, if I didn't get help, then maybe I wouldn't be racing like I am today. So I think it's important to normalize these things. Um, a few years ago, I wouldn't have said anything um, if I was struggling. And yeah, I guess the second thing is, I guess, you know, cycling is largely a power to weight ratio kind of sport. Um, and we can't deny the fact that that comes into it to a large extent. But also there's there's overall health. Obviously, as a woman, there's hormonal health um, and there's the whole picture as well. So, yeah, this is also a big conversation at the moment, you know, to have a healthy body and a body that's able to function and perform and thrive mm. and is well looked after. And no matter what that body looks like, it's going to get you to your best um, if you look after it. 
So I guess those two things are pretty important at the moment to me and a lot of other women as well. Candice, you've hit hit like the next three questions for me on the head. I didn't even have to ask you them because I was going to go from general health into (laughs) into mental health, which has played a massive role uh, in sport uh, globally. Uh, People are putting their hands up and saying, listen, the demands on sport now have been more than they ever have been. The pressure from sponsors to deliver results and podiums. The pressure, the pressure. There's never a gap in your day where you can actually stop and just take a breath and go... Ah, because in that time you've got to be focusing on other things, and you know, and those pressures are they 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 pile up, they surmount, and then all of a sudden, boom! There's no outlet for them anymore, and uh, it takes its toll on one's health, whether it's fire uh, physically or or mentally, uh, and it's something that needs to be spoken out about in any sport. And I'm really happy that uh, that cycling for one is also putting their hands up and going, and there are people going, listen. This is a demanding sport on us mentally. We, you know, we we need to find uh, be okay, be okay with being able to say I'm not coping or I'm not dealing with this properly, and I, I'm okay to speak out about it without the stigma attached to it uh, that we've had. So you know, attached to any kind of a mental health issues in the past. So Candice, thanks for for addressing that issue. And I think I mean this has been so great to talk. A time has gone, and it's really been this has been a hell of a podcast. Um, but I'd like to before we say goodbye to both of you, one final tip from each of you to help us get the most out of our lives health-wise in 2022. If someone's been inspired to get on a bike, maybe not even on a bike, maybe just to go and run and to be active and do something with their life this year, what final tip could you give us to get the most out of our lives health-wise in 2022? Whoever wants to give yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think just any exercise, like just get those endorphins going. Like if you go for a walk, I think it correlates straight back to what Candace is saying with, with mental health and just do something like even if it's just walking your dog just going outside and just switching off to leave your phone or turn it off and just um just escape from from the world it's like we have a lot of stresses on us whether everyone has different stresses and i think yeah to just go out there and do something rad like if you want to go hike Go hike, go do something you've never done before and try and accomplish that goal. It's quite addictive if you can, if you think like, hey, I want to like go up Lion's Head or, or any table mountain. I'm pretty sure you can, you can do it like 100%. Just do it in your own stride or ride 10Ks on a bike, whatever. I think that's a good step for everyone to just, just start something um, and then try and keep at it. Candice? Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, just keeping at it as what Matt said now. Um, to keep a balance, like you don't have to, people think like when they start exercising, they must be on this whole regime. And if one day they don't, then it's like all fall into pieces and things like that. Don't fall for any extreme things. Enjoy exercise, enjoy moving your body, whichever way you feel like on the day. And yeah, find something you enjoy. Like you don't have to do something because everyone else is doing it or because like if you are running and you're just hating it, don't run, do something else. Yeah. Um, whatever makes you feel good. Cause that's what exercise is supposed to do. 
Uh, guys, I'm going to be screaming my lungs off at the uh, at the prologue next week for both of you. Uh, it's been such a lick of time spending some time chatting with both of you, uh, accomplished um, in your your fields, uh, and more importantly, just great ambassadors for the for the sport. Uh, and I think that's what we we're proud of as South Africans to have both of you uh, as ambassadors for this great sport and uh, to share your time and your 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 knowledge and your health wisdom uh, with those people listening to this podcast right now. Wishing you all the best uh, for Cape Epic. And like I said, if you hear that high pitched scream. From the start, that's more than likely me. Uh, please don't give me funny looks or, or you know, or, or swear at me. That's just me screaming for you. They know that's my voice at the beginning. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the great questions and everyone's yeah. support. Stunning. Matt, good luck on the, the title defense. Candice, all the best to you as well. Ladies and gents, thanks so much for listening uh, to Health Matters with me, Ryan O'Connor, in partnership with Sipla. Download. We'll be back soon with a brand new episode. Health Matters in association with Sipla. Check your favorite podcast app for the latest episode.